You're listening to Coffee and Honeycomb, the podcast. I'm your host, Jenny Park, and today's guest is Kelsey Lee from KelseyLee.com. Kelsey is a fitness extraordinaire. She's been in the industry for over a decade, and her experience has ranged from competing in MPC to coaching individuals and classes, all the way to being a fitness personality and host on YouTube, on TV shows, and even being featured on the Olympic Channel. Kelsey has a huge passion for health and nutrition, and it's really cool to hear her experience. So I'm excited to get into today's episode and hear her point of view on how to think about health, fitness, nutrition, especially as a believer. On on this podcast in in general, I really want to highlight conversations that are authentic and edifying and really show different women with really different and diverse callings and all the different ways God is so faithful. Um, We are all so different, which I think is beautiful. And I just want to show for people to hear and think like, wow, I'm not alone or they struggled with this too. I can have hope and wow, God's so good and all those things. And in addition to that, I want to highlight different topics and different stories. And I think it's important to have a perspective on every facet of life. So I really appreciate Kelsey coming on and even sharing her point of view on modesty and why it's still relevant today, even though it might seem outdated or uncool, but why it's important to think about modesty and how we should think about that in regards to how we view health and fitness. So in today's episode, we'll talk to her about her experience in the industry, um, her experience even with legalism and wrestling with that and even dating in the church. So Kelsey is just super fun, down to earth, and I think you'll enjoy this conversation and have a lot of fun. So grab your cup of coffee and let's get started. Welcome to the podcast, Kelsey. Oh, I'm so happy. I'm happy we're chatting. How was your day? Were you? How were the horses? Oh, the horses. It it was really hot today. It was hot the last three days. In fact, three days ago, it hit 120 when I left the barn. And so, you want to talk about not doing any cardio or anything where you're experiencing a lot of sweat? Because I was in a sauna outdoors for like I don't know 16 hours that day. It was a long day. So, wait, remind me where Mm -hmm. you are. We're in Tuscan, so Irvine area. Okay. It gets that it's hot? So, oh, it gets so hot. It was 120 the other day, and then today I think it was 96, so it came down, but it's so humid out, so it feels like it's 115, you know? <laughs> okay, wow. Okay, we have to tell yeah. the listeners who you are, because I knew yeah. you liked horses, but our first text, out of context, you said something <laughs> like, hold on, sorry, the horse, my horse clients got away, and I was so confused, so you have to tell listeners how horses fit into your life for sure yeah I'm sure that was confusing you're like wait I thought you were like working people out (laughs) so I've been riding horses since I was about three and I grew up showing and training and doing all that fun stuff and now in adulthood I still do some of that and it's not like my profession I don't call myself a horse trainer because that comes with a whole lot of other responsibilities um, in the horse community so I my husband and I we have two horses and I help some other friends with theirs and so I kind of, you know, I'm like the personal trainer for horses. I'm not trying to, you know, so funny. like I said, be the horse trainer, but I keep horses in shape and we have our own that we have to get out every day. And that's pretty time consuming, but it's my fun hobby. So I don't complain. So another fun part of your life. Last time we talked, you told me that you were doing something with Olympic global games, right? Yes. Okay. Can you okay. talk about that? Because so. that is not an everyday experience. <laughs> so that was seriously such a blast we actually shot that tv series in 2016 so it's been almost two years since we filmed yeah so it just aired yeah on the olympic channel and i don't know if you saw any of those episodes but it was pretty hysterical and a lot of hard work it's 
it might not have looked like hard work from, you know, seeing the edits, but they were long days and we were doing crazy stunts and all sorts of things. Um, and that wasn't actually the project that I was just out of town for. So I think what we're talking about, I was in London about a month ago and I was there for 11 days and shooting another TV series with the Olympics channel. So this one's going to be a little different. So it's round two for me with this production team and which is a lot of fun for me, but it's not going to be like crazy sports spinoffs like you would see on global games too. This is going to be a little more directed at how Olympians train and how grueling it is. So it's going to be a little different, but it's still going to be quippy and fun. Interesting. So do you have an agent or how does this work? Do you pitch for these types of things or do people reach out to you? I wish I could. (laughs) I wish I knew where to. I, you know, I actually was sad for a couple years when I first moved here because I actually got into the whole TV commercial thing and that was a lot of fun. Um, But now, no, I have a management team and when they get big, you know, projects or whatnot and they think I'm a good fit then they reach out and ask me if I'd want to be the on-camera personality or if I don't want to test for it. So in this case, it was like, hey, we just need you to be you and come out and host this thing. So that's how that worked out. That is so fun. So fun. It is fun. Random, but super fun. Yeah. Okay. So you're a fitness coach and a fitness host. Can we start from the beginning? How did you get into all this? Were you always into fitness? Yeah. You know, that's a good question because if I really, really go back, it probably started when I was, I don't know before maybe very early elementary years when my dad would work out in the basement and he'd have his workout equipment down there and I'd go down there and try to get on the incumbent bicycle or the exercise bike and I thought I was so cool and I think he had a little trampoline or he did have a little trampoline back then and you know back then in the early 90s it was cool to jump on a trampoline because science said that if you're jumping up and down your muscles don't know the difference from actually isolating you know from lifting weights and I was whatever sick so you know, I'm like, yeah, yeah, that sounds, that sounds right. So I did some of that. Anyways, um, that probably isn't very interesting for our actual podcast, but <laughs> I do remember actually seeing those mini trampolines in everyone's basement growing up. They, seriously, they were, it was a thing. And now I look back and I'm like, oh my gosh, we have evolved so much. Since then. Sure. Um, so you mm-hmm. love fitness since you were a kid. Yeah. Yeah, so fitness kind of started as a kid, and then growing up doing dance and some cheer stuff, and then of course horses. You're being you're outdoors and you're active all the time, and so that was kind of my segue, natural extension into being more you know intentional with workouts and things like that. And then in high school, that's when I discovered the gym. So once I fell in love with the gym, I realized oh, there's a whole world out there, and it was kind of an outlet for my confidence and self esteem because you know high school is a little bit tough for a lot of girls, for sure. And I experienced some of that, so. It was, I was about 16 when I started training pretty seriously in the gym. And then when I was 17, I competed in my first fitness competition with NCC. This was back in 2004. You did? And, uh, I, played, I didn't know that. I did. This was, man, this was before the fitness industry was uh, what it is now. It's right. just a little different now. It's not something I really promote anymore as far as competing goes. And the, this is when we wore one piece uh, swimsuits that were made of velvet. They had jewels all over them and, you didn't have to stick your butt out and wear these little tiny bikinis like you do now. So yeah, yeah that was, that was definitely an experience. And although I didn't necessarily fall in love with the sport of, you know, bodybuilding and competing, I knew that I could take what I learned, teach it to other people and help other people have an outlet like I did. So that's where the whole profession really started. Yeah. Probably when I was about 17, got certified at 18 and then started training from there out of a gold gym. But that's, 
that was kind of the catalyst for everything that people see now as far as like the workout videos and personal training actual clients and running boot camps and stuff like that. Oh, interesting. So I think yeah. one of the gold Gold's gym is like my husband's dream because he's kind of into yeah. um, lifting. And when before right. we were getting married, that when we were engaged and we were planning, and I was of course trying to get into fitness, that's when I discovered your YouTube channel. And so yes. I started, yeah, doing fitness. And well, I was trying to go to the gym. I can, I just can't commit to that lifestyle. And I, I want to every year, every month I try, but your videos are really helpful. And then I also found a couple other fitness influencers who are competing in NPC. And then they also mm-hmm. vlog about their life who I'm, I'm sure you've seen a bunch of those. So how did you get into doing hosting and fitness personality stuff? You know, it's kind of a blend of two different worlds that I try to keep really far from each other for a long time. So, oh, okay. like I said, I started personal training fresh, fresh into adulthood. So when I turned 18, I started training a couple months later after I got certified. Um, and I had grown up doing theater and musicals and all that stuff. And I knew that I wanted to pursue that industry a little bit in LA, which I, I came to do um, in 2009. I moved down here and I'm sorry, 2008. And what happened was I, I thought, well, I need to use fitness and personal training as my financial catalyst to pay for living so that I can go to castings and go to auditions. I'll build my career in whatever in the entertainment industry. And I found out very early after getting my tag card that being a married woman and, you know, having a moral compass that doesn't match or align with everybody else's in the industry was going to be a little bit tough. And it was huh. tougher than I, I, it was like, a, and I don't say that I'm, I'm not saying I'm not tough or you know, you're not tough if you don't stay in the industry, but it was like choose your battles for me. And that being said, I was like, you know, I really miss teaching and I love fitness. So maybe I pick up a couple more clients. So I continued to do that. And then one of the auditions that came up was for a big fitness channel and they were looking to, well, they thought they were going to replace a host. And then they decided to keep us both, which was a lot of fun for me because then we could kind of tag team on some of the episodes where we weren't, you know, all the pressure wasn't on one person, so to speak. And so when that channel kind of blew up and I wasn't just doing internet tutorials, and this is probably the channel you're familiar with, yeah, um, the, the big one. And anyhow, after that channel blew up, I realized, okay, this isn't me coming into some studio and, and saying, this is how you do a proper bicep curl. It was like, oh, people are following along with my workouts because I'm distracting. And then I keep them working out and keep it moving and they're liking it. And so that's when I realized, oh, I could do this whole thing on camera and still teach and that's still do so- the fitness thing. So and long story short, that's kind of how the two worlds blended together. And it was like for so long, I was like, they have to be separate. They can't, it doesn't work together. There's no way. So yeah. that's interesting. Yeah. So would you say it's like half and half now fit, fitness coaching and then also doing the TV stuff? It is. And it's because my clientele now, like it ebbs and flows. In fact, I took about, we're almost at seven months. Um, where I actually, I dwindled down my in-home training clients to just two. So I've got two gals that I train right now that I have for a long time. And I did that because it was just getting to the point where it, my identity was like, oh, am I the in-home trainer person who's just devoting all my time to that? And then I have to say no to projects and other things because then I'd have to cancel on clients and shuffle them around. So there's that pressure of balancing schedules in that respect with kind of like two careers, being on camera, content creation, and then actual training in person. And so coming up on about six, seven months now, what I'm doing now is integrating more group exercises. So the boot camp, what I've been running for, gosh, it's been like 13 years now that I've been doing this. That's wow. kind of my way to shuffle more clients into one time gap, if that makes yeah. sense. So it's like, hey, guess what? We're training two or three times a week. 
And then that, all that other time is allotted to do other things. So we could do shoots or I'm doing, you know, things like this, like podcasts or social time with friends or just normal life, Yeah, you know, without having to shuffle clients around. So, yeah, that's awesome. Yeah. So yeah. I think I did see you post on Instagram about, was it like a behind the scenes of you filming for London? When is that coming out? When can people watch that? Oh my goodness. I wish I had a solid answer. I'm hoping this fall. I mean, that's, that's what we said about global games. It was like, okay, it's going to global games is going to get into production and probably in a couple months. And here we are, you know, a year and a half, two years later that global Games two came out. So you never know. I mean, that's kind of the, the caveat with entertainment industry stuff and post-production things can take longer than expected. So I'm hoping for September sometime yeah. around then that we'll see. Okay. I'm sure I'll keep you guys posted on social. I'll let you know, of course. Okay. So, perfect. That's great. Yeah. Um, speaking of moral compass, which you talked about. So I, of course I follow you and I've seen you and we talked a little bit about this when we talked on the phone about how the fitness industry can get like a little scandalous sometimes. Like, I mean, right. a lot of girls are showing off their bodies, their butts, especially like that's huge right now is growing a butt and yep. all this stuff, which is great. And I follow those people too sometimes, but your brand and your <laughs> business is so like, <laughs> I don't know, wholesome still? Like I was looking for a picture and you are like never wearing revealing clothing. <laughs> like you're never wearing anything scandalous. And, but I love that you have this integrity. And so can you talk a little bit about like, was that intentional to kind of draw a line in the sand? Yes, it was intentional. And this could be a whole nother conversation where we talk about um, where I had to find a balance and kind of temper my, my perspective on how I dress and how I carry myself because I come from, or I came from a season of a lot of legalism in the church I was heavily involved with for a lot of years oh, yeah. in ministry. And it, I mean, it got to the point where the joke was like, oh, Kelsey, your collarbone is showing. Hey, Kelsey, your elbow is showing because I was kind of reprimanded from some, some other leadership because people were uncomfortable with how I was dressing, although I was in button nails and slacks half the time. Um, and so then I got really ultra conservative. So Anyhow, that's a little backstory. Okay. That's a whole other conversation, like I said. But um, being in the fitness industry, you know, you're seeing bodies all the time. And aesthetics is the focus. And I think what happens when we get a lot of people who get a platform and they're, they're insecure or they're not insecure. I don't really think it's necessarily about that. Mm -hmm. But people are proud to show up their hard work. And I'm not saying that that's a bad thing. But for me, I never wanted to go down that route of kind of flaunting what you got if you have it, so to speak. And I'm not saying I do. I'm just saying um, as far as being more revealing with how I dress, even though I'm not in that, that zone of legalism anymore, I'm still thinking, you know, I wouldn't want to post or put anything out there or walk around and present myself in a way that I wouldn't want pastor friends to see, that mm -hmm. I wouldn't want my dad to see, my brother or, you know, other people's husbands or their boyfriends, things like that, that would make people just kind of feel uncomfortable. Like, what, what is she wearing? is that necessary? So I keep that in my mind. And yeah, so everything is intentional as far as trying to stay wholesome and family friendly. Cause again, you know, I don't want to put stuff out there that would make people that are in my life, you know, other guys or other girls be like, Oh, probably shouldn't follow you anymore because of that. No, so. that's, that's so wise. I love the question of like, do I want my pastor to see this? Do I want my dad to see this? Cause there is an aspect right. of we don't want to stumble. And so that kind of is a good litmus test. Yes. And, you know, and also on the flip side of that, it's not even that, you know, if you're a woman, you, you're attractive to the opposite sex. I think that, you know, some people could listen to what we just said and say, wow, like you're, you're way back in the fifties or something. This is 2018 guys can get over it. Well, there's more to it than that. And again, that's probably a whole other conversation itself, but 
with the whole being family friendly and wholesome thing, I think it has to do too with teaching other gals, like you don't have to, you know, boost up your self-esteem by flaunting aesthetically what you look like, what your, you know, what your body looks like. And there's so much more to offer and you have value to offer the world besides just how you look. You know, it can be through the things that you say to people or how you treat people. And that's really what makes people more attractive, I think. And so if we can kind of get away from the, oh, sports bra and booty shorts thing, (laughs) I think that helps in the fitness industry, that is. You always wear such cute fitness clothes. And if there's any women who are looking for good quality clothes that are modest and aren't showing off everything, can you tell us what you wear? Yes, there's three brands that I keep wearing over and over. And um, they're all... U.S. brands, and I've met the folks behind the brand in all three, and I love them all. So the first one is Graced by Grit. And if you find them on social, it's just going to be looking up Graced by Grit or going to gracedbygrit.com. Iron Lily is another one owned by a good friend of mine. And Amari, Amari Active is the other. And so those three brands are very easy to find on social. But my favorite thing is they are very modest. And, of course, they've got cute, sporty stuff if you wanted something that cover less of your body sure but a lot of it's just very functional and it's very flattering but it's not you know we're not boosting up the cleavage and we're not showing off the gams 100 percent. so yeah wait really, grace by yeah, grit, i really appreciate amari. this stuff and what was the second one grace by grit amari and iron lily okay awesome yeah 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 you got to check them out it's good stuff yeah how do you separate um fitness and staying fit and staying healthy from vanity? Yeah, good question. And I speak from experience of being on both sides of the spectrum to the extreme. Um, Going from, you know, being a fitness competitor and having to check your physique every week. I mean, I went through my phone recently and there's pictures from years ago that are on my, you know, in my albums. And there's comparison photos and they were almost identical but they were every three to seven days and it's because I would have Tyler my husband take pictures because I'm saying oh my gosh are my abs coming in more you know is there glute separation with or do my hamstrings look better this week just crazy stuff that for me it really doesn't matter anymore and so instead of saying oh I'm not you know I'm not lean enough or I'm not building enough shape here or there basically creating all these imbalances mind and body now it's like okay well you know I'm 31 now Mm -hmm. and being in your 30s I think that kind of opens up the doorway to thinking about long-term health and preventative health care. So that's where I'm at now versus just worrying about like, you know, how good am I going to look in front of a panel of XYZ guys who are going to judge how great my physique is. So I'm not sure if that really answered the question. Oh, yeah, yeah. Yeah. And aside from like people, how we like, how people perceive us or taking photos for jobs and even opportunities, did you ever have anything come up that you kind of felt like maybe it was compromising against your values that you had to say no to? And were you tempted? Yeah. You know, and, uh, there have been numerous times and even in the YouTube world when I, you know, worked on channels or other jobs and they're like, Hey, we have wardrobe. And it's like two inch booty shorts that are, you know, big as your hand. And then some push up sports bra, which I would never wear in real life. And I've had to say, there's probably been half a dozen times where I've had to say, hey, you know, I also brought this. What do you think of this? And most times people are okay with it. But there have been a couple where it's like, um, well, so-and-so really just wants you in a sports bra. Or so-and-so really just wants you in this. And whether so-and-so really exists, you know, I think that's just production trying to make it less uncomfortable and get their point across. But, yeah, there have definitely been times where I'm like, ah, 
well, I'm not going to wear that. So here's what I brought. <laughs> Just have to be assertive sometimes. And yeah. Yeah. Good for you. I think you're doing such a great thing because I love, like I do need positive inspiration, positive motivation to be healthy and go to the gym. And I love being able to go right. to your content and see your Instagram and not also get the mixed message that I need to like hypersexualize my body or whatever. Cause sometimes people are doing that are, you know, and even if I'm not intentionally saying I want to pose like this, I'm some, I'm like picking up a message from them and it's awesome that you're promoting something so positive and wholesome. You are. And you know, I, I mean, there may be some people who would hear this and just kind of laugh or scoff at what I'm about to say, but what's happened to social media and especially the fitness industry, it's, it's a lot of walking porn. It's hmm. literally just it's walking porn, and people say, "Oh, but people aren't naked and you know doing things." Well, yeah, but the less of the flesh. I mean, that's what we're promoting. Is like, look at me, look how beautiful I am, look at the aesthetic of the shape of my body or what I'm wearing or how my makeup looks or all that stuff. So there's a lot of that, and yeah, I think more of us do need to put out there like, I can be confident and healthy and active and strong. And I'm just a normal person. I wear normal clothes. <laughs> I don't have to take my clothes off and contort my body and do all this, you know, Photoshop, CGI stuff to make myself feel better. Yeah. So I think that's just a, a, a big, important part of what's happening with social media for those of us who want to be a positive influence. Yeah. Okay. So you mentioned a little bit about how you had a background of kind of wrestling with legalism and that stuff. So were you always a believer? Were you always part of the church? So I grew up, my parents left the church, um, I think it was in their, they were in their thirties and because of legalism, they were both raised Catholic. And so God has always been a part of my life, but I wasn't, we weren't the church. I wasn't a church kid until middle school. And so, um, my parents always try to cultivate that relationship with the Lord with me. I mean, I grew up, my prayer life was pretty solid at a young age just because my mom, she taught, she taught me how to pray and then. Oh wow! Or established that it was very conversational, and I liked to talk when I was young. So I'm not sure that much has changed. But I love to talk. So every night, and you know, sometimes today I'd be like, "Thank you, Lord Jesus, for this," and the list would go on and on and on and on, and then I'd probably yeah. fall asleep. So that was established young, and then I got involved in youth group because a friend invited me in middle school. Yeah. And then I really came full circle in high school when I, I really understood what it meant to be saved. What does that mean? What does it mean to to really value and honor your relationship with the Lord. So that happened sophomore year in high school. That's awesome. Yeah. And how does faith play a role or does it play a role? Like as you were pursuing fitness or entertainment? It does. It, well, everything that has to do with life from start to finish of every single day. <laughs> like I said, my prayer life, I, that's really what gets me through and understanding that there's a lot of grace and that I can go to God about anything because as you know, like the day goes on and you leave the house and then it's 90,000 um, chances to be a good Christian. And it's like, okay, I don't want to lose my testimony over traffic and I don't want to be frustrated with this person and I need to empathize with this person and, and speak and think with love. And so, yeah, it, it really does. It boils down to, am, am I doing things that I love? Am I living and speaking in a way that's honorable to the Lord? And is what I'm choosing to do or not do going to add value to the people around me and it's yeah. also going to be honorable to the Lord. Yeah, so that might awesome. sound sound a little cheesy, but it's pretty fundamental for me and it keeps me in check. And I don't always take those routes, of course, but you know, for the most part that's that really tempers my decisions and my thoughts. 
Yeah. What were, I'm curious about what some of the things were that helped you maybe um, move away from legalism. And I think that's such an interesting topic because I have friends who also like grew up in the church and really struggle with that. Not necessarily because the church promoted that or taught that, but because they followed rules. And then I also know people who don't go to the church and that's what they see about Christianity is rule following and that kind of, they've been hurt by that in the past or that's off-putting to them. So I'm curious to hear from your perspective, kind of what helped you heal from that or maybe walk away from that a little bit? Right. So I think um, I could probably talk about this for a long time too, just kind of going over backstory, but yeah, let's do it. I, I, well, I would just say that, you know, coming from a background of ministry and unpaid ministry, uh, and being volunteer, almost staff in some ways. And if, you know, if anyone listening, you might understand that you're there for hours on end, six, seven days a week sometimes, or coaching or, you know, leading ministries or whatnot. It almost, there is a spiritually elite, excuse me, there's a spiritually eliteness that kind of comes about. And like you're saying, it's not because anybody in the church is promoting that. It's not because, you know, leadership as a whole wants to cultivate that kind of an environment, but it kind of happens because you're taking broken people. Yeah. And when there are ministries that are being facilitated by people, there's broken people leading yeah. Uh, yeah. and encouraging other people. And, you know, we all want significance. We all want a platform, whether people admit it or not, there is people find value personally in that. And so I think what happens when you have broken people leading broken people, you have a lot of hurt. And for me, it, I just realized that, you know, yes, do we abide by the word? Do we know who God is and what he says? Yes. But there comes a point where we have to let other people feel that out for themselves, find their own relationship with the Lord. It might not look exactly like ours and that's okay. And we can't condemn them for it. And if they are going through a process that maybe we see some wisdom in that they're not receiving, we don't really need to pull them in the direction we think is best or that we know is best. We just have to trust that God's going to do that for them. So um, to answer your question, if this isn't even answering your question, it, to me it's about letting people develop and cultivate a relationship with God and not mm-hmm. forcing it, but mm-hmm. teaching the fundamentals of and the values of what it means to, to get to know God and mm-hmm. to have that relationship with Him. Because, I mean, once that's established, everything else falls into place, you know, and choices become a little bit less challenging when we're trying to change our lives or make choices that, you know, take us in the right direction. That's so good because to your point about how legalism is, again, like not from God, like God wants relationship, not rules or religion, but it's when we make it about people or when we make it about us, I think that's what stems the legalism is like, like, to your point is that we're all broken people and we either try to project that we're higher, better than we are, or we want others to think we're higher or better than we are. And kind of legalism helps us get to that feel yes feel more spiritually elite like that's the best term I can I can think of is just like the spiritually eliteness and yeah no one grows no one gets better when that's in the way yeah that's so good so did you ever struggle with body image or what's your advice to women who struggle with body image because that's huge yeah I've totally struggled with body image on and off my entire life and I think what it is now for me is much different than it used to be so of course, you know, we, and we chatted a little bit about this before and yeah. growing up reading magazines and seeing the super Photoshop images and, and it wasn't quite as sneaky, the Photoshop stuff it, as it is now, I mm. think. So in some ways growing up, it's like, well, we know this is airbrushed. It used to be called airbrushed, you know, and, um, 
but still it made you, made you ask yourself all the time as a kid, basically like, am I pretty? Am I skinny enough? Am I tall enough? Am I small enough? Whatever. And, um, so just the normal teenage stuff growing up. But once I got super involved in the fitness industry, it was like, okay, well now physiques are what I'm looking at all day long. And because I'm comparing physiques for my job and people are saying, Hey, I want to look like this in six to 12 weeks or whatever. And I'm like, okay, well, um, this is what it's going to take. And that's translating into everything I'm telling myself, like, Oh, I would like to look this way. Well, here's what it takes. It becomes this kind of compulsive, obsessive thing, like where overtraining and um, nutrition is kind of lacking because you're now on this constant yo-yo diet situation, um, trying to get the next best physique for yourself because you never feel like you're good enough. So with the fitness industry being such a big part of my life, I definitely, um, I would say up until I was probably 26 or 27. So Mm -hmm. about four years ago, um, I really, I would always look in the mirror and say, man, I'm not as lean as I used to be. Oh man, my legs are, you know, whatever, more than they used to be, or my shoulders aren't as big as they used to be and my arms or whatever. So just constantly picking myself apart. Cause again, you know, as a personal trainer, in some ways that's what you're doing. Cause people are saying, Hey, help me develop this part of my body. I want to be stronger here. So again, those things are always in the back of your mind, but um, yeah, it wasn't until I decided to quit competing in fitness and getting out of that industry and being more careful with what I was putting out there on the internet for people to follow as far as workouts, um, titles, because there's a lot of clickbait out there, images, um, conversations I was having until I decided to really think about what I was putting out there and, and making sure that it was sound, solid advice and practical for people and not creating like a stigma or a like an obsession for some people to overtrain or just overdo it with their dieting. Yeah. Um, yeah, it was, it was always kind of a problem for me. But again, like I said, once I started thinking more about other people, it took the, uh, the pressure off of me to look a certain way because then it's like, I know what it takes to feel good and to have, you have a confident body and to be active and able. I need to focus on those things because, and so that I can help other people do the same. And then if you just kind of keep that in the forefront of your mind as a trainer, at least that helps you stay away from the, Oh, I'm not lean enough or my abs aren't showing or whatever it might be. Yeah. For other women yeah. then who, um, where fitness is not their job, what are like your, what do you think would be your favorite or main tips for them to stay healthy and be strong? For anyone listening who doesn't have a fitness background and they're not trying to have a six pack and all that stuff or whatever, I think that it's really important just to remember that you, you're a steward over the body that you're in. And so whether or not you want to look a certain way in a swimsuit or without clothes or whatever, you still want to be a good steward of your body. And so this isn't taking things to the extreme, but it's having practical balance in life, making good choices. It's very simple. None of this is easy necessarily, but it's very simple. Yeah. So making good choices so that you are able and active to give your family and your friends or your job, you know, whatever it is that your time is going to, your hobbies, your church, you can't really do that at your full capacity if you're not healthy and well. Yeah. So I, I think that when you start thinking of things that way, the preventative health care aspect, and you start thinking, you know, if I'm going to do a good job at the things I do, I need to have energy. I need to feel per- good. I don't need to have crazy energy and feel, you know, super hyper every single day. But, you know, you want to feel and function like you can do your job well. That's so good. I like the phrase, steward your body, because it also makes me think about how our bodies are holy temples too. And it could be physically, like you said, like making sure we have energy, but also even like mentally, like being nice to our bodies and not 
picking at yeah. every little thing that you don't like in the mirror because that's not healthy. That's not like mentally healthy. No, it's not. And you know, it, for me too, I have to remind myself, I, I, I look different. We all look different. We're all very unique. We're not going to have the same bone structure. We're not going to carry weight the same way. We're not going to carry lean tissue and body fat the same way. So, you know, I just need to, to understand that I look the way I look and I can do things to take care of myself and have a confident body. Or, you know, if I let the reins loose a little, then I have to understand that, okay, I might carry a little higher body fat percentage until I decide to get more intentional again. Hmm. And that's, that's just the way it goes instead of saying, oh, I need, a, I need a thigh gap or I need my collarbone to show more. And my knees have too much fat on them. These are, these are statements that I hear from people all the time online comments like, how do I get a thigh gap? How do I, well, you're probably not built that way. You don't need to be. That's <laughs> hilarious. So, That's what yeah, trainers are like, telling their future clients now. Maybe you just genetics are for you. Well, you know, and that's, you know, that's, that's debatable in a lot of ways, you know, genetics, makes up how you look but it's true we are a lot of us our, our bones are going to sit differently and the way we carry wages sits differently um where was it going with this I had a point and now I forgot <laughs> I'm sorry I lost your I made you lose your train of thought no not you it was me um we were still talking about body image you were telling me yeah. how I can magically get a six-pack tomorrow no no <laughs> none of that so <laughs> you know I am. Um, I really wish people would go back to the old fashioned hard work kind of ethic. Cause that's really what it takes to feel yeah. good about yourself, to, to look the way you probably want. It's going to take good old fashioned hard work, time, consistency, and patience with your food and your exercise, whatever that looks like. And, you know, once you start thinking of it that way, that takes some of the pressure off to have microwave new you or overnight new you. You're like, we're not going to have six packs tomorrow. Like we joked about earlier. That's yeah. just not realistic or probably not even next week unless you already have them. So it's, it's important just to put things in perspective. And like you're, like we talked about earlier was, you know, why, why am I worried about how I look? I should be more worried about how I'm feeling and functioning. And if I feel and function good, I, sh- I probably look all right too. You know, yeah. I probably, you know, I should, should be okay with what's going on. So. Yeah. That's so good. So good. Yeah. It's, um, what was I going to say? What's the, oh, this I was going to say, what's the worst fitness tip you've heard? Oh gosh, you know, I, when you asked me that earlier, I was thinking, oh, there's so many. So the worst, well, there's not even the worst. I'm just going to say there is a really uh, negative connotation for a lot of us who educate others in nutrition and fitness about overtraining and over dieting because with social media yes. and all the stuff online, we are creating this stigma of like your workouts have to be crazy and your sweat sessions have to be so intense and your muscles need to look like this and your food prep needs to look like this and that. And so we're creating this overtraining. Uh-huh. Yes. And it's just what's happened over the last five or six years with social media is you're creating all these extremes and it's not sustainable for people. And so I, I really like to encourage others to think about, okay, take the meat and leave the bones. You know, are there some good aspects to being all in with your workouts? Absolutely. Is it good to think in advance and be prepared and have good food in your fridge to eat? Absolutely. But does it need to be, you know, steamed green vegetables and a lean protein, six meals a day? Absolutely not. And that's not practical for most people. Yeah. Um, And you don't, 
And you don't have to push a ton of weight or do 100 burpees or anything like that to have a, a good condition physique. So that's that's my answer to the what's your worst training nutrition tip you've heard. It's, it's a lot of them out there, but that's kind of what it boils down to is the, these extremes. And, of course, it's clickbait. You know, it, it keeps people engaged. People are like, oh, I need to look at this. Or what are they posting? Because that's what I need to do. And I need to eat like this and that. And, again, leave the meat or take the meat and leave the bones. There's some good stuff. You know, you can take some good stuff from everything, but yeah, yeah there's a lot of extremists. Yep. And I get why like businesses and people do that. Like that's the faster way for them to make money or make more clients. And I think that's right. really cool that you value like healthy and sustainable living nutrition and just really putting fitness in this right place of it's something being a part of life, but not all of life Yeah, over trying to grow as fast as you can or make as much money as fast as you can. I think that's that's and, so important. Exactly. And that's, and that's why I'm so careful about what I put out there regarding nutrition because it's so individualized. And nutrition stuff, that's like the biggest bulk of what I do outside of content and, you know, social media stuff. Like my normal day-to-day life is talking to people practically all day long, doing nutrition coaching and all that stuff. And so um, I love it and I want that to be part of everybody's life. But I, I have to be careful of what I put out there and I wish other people would too because what works, you know, what works for one person might not work for the other three. Yeah. And so with that said, it's like, yeah, be careful what you tell people is the right way. Because <laughs> for some people, it's probably the very wrong, the most wrong way they could think of. So Yeah. And Tyler, your husband just came and said hi. How did you guys meet? How long have you guys been married? We will have been married 10 years this November, which oh is crazy gosh, to me. congrats. Yep. You got so married when you were 21? I did. We did. Okay. How he's did you guys over, meet? He's over. We met through a mutual friend. And I was currently in this, um, I love Jesus. In fact, hold on, my, my license plate during this era said, girl for God, treasure is stored in heaven. <laughs> oh my so, gosh, I love that so much. So I was a little bit, you know, there was a little bit of extra there. And of course, I really, my, my love for God was super genuine. And I, you know, I, I think that's a good thing. And I wish I still carried some of that zeal in some ways now. And I think it's important that we try to keep that in adulthood. Um, but anyhow, I had gotten out of a really gnarly relationship. So my freshman year in high school, I met my, my boyfriend, who was a junior, he was older, had a car, you know, took me and my friends, my friends and I out to lunch. And, um, it was just kind of an ugly, unproductive time of my life because mm. he, neither of us should have been in a relationship. And the short of it is we were like, we turn into the youth group kids living the world's way, if that makes sense. Yeah. Um, you know, we were doing stuff that married people do, and we were, I was sneaking out of my house to go hang out with him and his friends, and we were going to parties and all that stuff, but it was on and off for a long time, and uh, before I met Tyler, I was in that, like, girl for God, treasures stored in heaven mindset of, like, taking my Bible places to parties and trying to get people saved in places where people don't want to be saved, <laughs> and so my friends were like, come, come over here. I want you to meet this guy. And I'm like, no, I don't want to meet any guy. Jesus is my husband. Did you forget? I'm going to be a nun and sing songs to the birds in the hills. <laughs> That's my plan. Yeah. And anyhow, I ended up going over there and walked in and said hi to everybody. It was Christmas break. I guess I should say that. That was, that was part of the deal. It was Christmas Eve. Just cut them with family stuff. And I was tired. Didn't really want to hang out with people. But here I am at this house saying hi. And then I look in the kitchen and I see Tyler and the first thing I thought was, oh, he's cute. Oh, I know him. So I knew him. Mm -hmm. I had recognized him because 
going back to my high school boyfriend, he was a junior when I was a freshman. So my ex-boyfriend's younger brother was best friends with Tyler. Oh, interesting. Okay. Because the younger brother was about my age. So anyhow, I had seen Wait, him how old are you and I remember. Like 19? 20. 20, okay. 20. Yeah. Yeah. And so that whole memory came back to the forefront of my mind. And I'm thinking, oh, I remember this kid. I thought he was super cute. And what's funny is when I saw him, when I was hanging out with my then boyfriend, high school boyfriend, I remember thinking to myself, oh, he's going to be so cute when he's older. But we were like the same age, <laughs> which is so stupid because I thought I was so I old and mature because my boyfriend was, you know, he had a car. Yeah. <laughs> so, that was so anyhow, that's, that's how we met. And because uh, we hadn't officially met before, we had just seen each other in passing. And when I was over there saying hi, I ended up staying and sitting on the couch for a little bit before I headed out. And uh, he came over and all he said was, hey, do you remember me? <laughs> and that was how the conversation started. No, uh swanky pickup line just like hey do you remember who I am so apparently the whole gonna be a nun and sing songs at the hill thing went out the window because I thought he was really cute so needless to say he called me we hung out as a group that whole winter break and then he went back to Camp Pendleton because he was in the Marine Corps and then I went back to Seattle and it was uh, the next year I ended up moving to California and then we were engaged and got married got our first apartment together so so are you guys both, and is he into fitness as well? And I'm guessing, is he also a believer? Oh, yeah. He loves Jesus. And his, yeah, his relationship with the Lord has been our saving grace. Well, both of ours, but it's, it's been a big, it's, it's, yeah, it's been our saving grace in our marriage. So Tyler, he, he kind of grew up being a group kid too. And that was helpful because, of course, going into dating and being together, I was like, do you love Jesus? <laughs> that's, a, that's very important because, again, girl for God, treasure sword in heaven. Yeah, did you have life. like non-negotiables that you needed to know about him before you said, yeah, I'll date you? Yeah, Jesus being fit. And I had to think he was cute. That was kind of the deal. Yeah. <laughs> so, did he have to drive? He, he fit the bill. Oh, yeah. Had to have a car. Oh, yeah. I said, you know, here in California, people don't have cars until they're like 21 or sometimes later. That's so weird to me. So weird. Get your license. Go get your license. (laughs) I'm being an adult. Um, Anyways, so, yeah, and in fact, the first couple months of us dating, I remember reading our Bibles together or talking about scripture so late where I would fall asleep. And so that's pretty cool. You know, we were far from walking real rightly with the Lord. There were a lot of holes in our relationship with God, both of us. We paid for it later because we didn't address that early on again later conversation <laughs> um, but we when I moved to California he was um in the Marine Corps and I was looking for a new church and I visited a couple we visited a couple together and then he was either on a training or a workup he was out of town and I went with my cousin an older cousin that lives here in California and she took me to the church that would then become our home church for about six years and yep so I went and visited there felt like that's where I needed to be told him I like him to join me and so when he got back we went to service and instantly like through worship he was like oh I felt like God was asking you where where have you been Hmm. and that's because he hadn't been plugged into a church since he had joined the Marine Corps so we we were all in from the get-go serving in ministry because I missed that being the youth group kid that was very hands-on that was important for me so yep that's that was uh established early on in our marriage and of course there were it ebbed and flowed and there were things we had to go through and go through. And of course the experience of all the legalistic stuff that kind of comes with being really involved in a church mm-hmm. sometimes mm-hmm. that we talked about. So 
yep, we've had to go through all that stuff together. I get that. So Eugene, my husband and I, we started dating. We knew each other and I met him in youth group. I didn't go to church in high school. There was like a a rebellion period in high school when I kind of fell away from the church. And I started going my senior year of high school and I met him. He's Eugene is a couple years older than me. So he was serving the youth group when I met him. We were friends for a couple years. We started dating in college and I joined this college ministry, which is so great, amazing, but it's an Asian American church and with a lot of students. And so of course they're trying to protect young people from dating. And so I picked up a lot of things from that culture And I felt like, Eugene, in order for us to make it work, we need to fast every Friday. We're supposed to not talk to each other three times a week. Like I made up all these rules and I thought if we do A, B, C, D, E, F, G, then that makes us like a God-centered couple. You know, yeah, like then we will seem respected. Then God will like, please be pleased with our relationship. So that's just bizarre. Yeah, like I just wanted like rules or things and I thought I was trying to like make it all work. Yeah, I, you know, I would, I'll bet you that most young couples that have been churched have experienced something like this. And I think what sad for a lot of folks is they don't get out of it. That whole like check the box. Did I, did we pray together today? Which is very important. I'm right, very much right. for that. But like, did we, um, are, are we hugging too long for those, those who aren't married yet? Like, are we hugging too long? Do we need to go back to the side hug? <laughs> like, do we only need to hug, hang out in groups? You know, that's kind of extreme too, but things like that, like you're saying, checking the box and it's more about works and grace and that defeats the whole purpose. Yeah. And I think it's because we don't talk about dating really, except for that you probably shouldn't do it. And so when you are in a dating relationship, like we didn't feel comfortable really talking to people about it. So we were just figuring out on our own. And like, I always say this, like, thank God. I have no idea how God like redeemed our relationship too, because we, yeah, I think we brought, came in with our own insecurities and our own legalism and all these things. And we spent four years dating a lot of parts that were fun and awesome, but also a lot of parts that were pretty ugly and dumb and selfish. And somehow God just like has redeemed that and we're married now. And I think that's, that's a, that's a testament in itself, but yes, it is. I totally get it. Yeah. We'll have to have all these conversations on another one. And I think that, you know, if you look at our lives, it really goes, it just goes to grace and mercy and God. He just, he really does work all things for good, yeah. um, but we have to let God be God. And we all know that, let God be God. Yes, yes. But what does that mean? Like we stop check, stop checking the box, just check the box. Stop mm-hmm. trying to create these parameters that you stay within so that you can pat yourself on the back or, or that other people will pat you on the back for. Yeah. And I think that's, that's just part of it. We have to go back to like what we talked about earlier, relationship. Yeah. Yeah, you're so right. Okay, well, I've had so much fun talking with you. I thought this was you just too. a blast. So my final <laughs> question that I always ask people is what their honeycomb is. Do you have either a favorite verse that you're clinging to this season or a life verse or something you want to share? Always. And actually, you know what this one, Romans 12, 9, it, it goes back to something that we talked about earlier and just like how, what is the fundamental that I'm sticking with when I'm making choices or you know, what's my accountability? And it's, you know, love must be sincere or abhor what is evil, cling to what is good mm. is the meat of that verse. And Romans 12, 9 for me, it's like, you know, that applies to everything in our day-to-day life. Like, are we, are we abhorring what is evil and are we clinging to what is good? And what does that mean? Well, it's pretty simple. It's probably not always easy to follow or mm. to act out of, but you know, 
we know how to, to live honorably before the Lord. And if we don't, we just open our Bible and, you know, we seek good counsel. And are we behaving and picking out of love or are we going with the flesh on the opposite direction, going to evil? So simple stuff like that really helps me keep everything in perspective and in check. Yeah, that's so good. I love just how down to earth you are and that you do remind me and like you're reminding other people I'm sure that it's it's simple and sometimes we just overcomplicate it and we just have to remember that truth that's such a good one okay so people want to follow you what's your Instagram what's your website where can people find you yes you know it's been the same since I found Twitter back in like 2002 I don't know forever ago and I didn't know what to make my my social handle so it's (laughs) kelseylee.com spelled out d-o-t-c-o-m after kelseylee and that's the same for Twitter and Instagram and Facebook and YouTube I keep saying I'm going to change it, but then what? Then I'd have to like, you know, ask it out there. Hey, my name changed. And I don't know if anyone would really care. So it's just going to it. Well, you'll have to come <laughs> back on the podcast so we can let people know. Right. <laughs> <laughs> of course. Yeah, we got to do this again. Um, we have to. Yeah. Thanks so much, Kelsey. <laughs> oh, I'm glad. I'm glad you reached out and asked. I love doing podcasts. And it's fun for me because it's like, you know, if you sit here and chat with a friend, that's where the valuable conversations come in usually. So how do we put that out there for the world doing stuff like this? I think it's great. 